Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. It's going to be a great, great Sunday. Um, This is our fourth week in a five-week series entitled For the Love of Others. Um, We've been focusing on chapters 8 through 10 of the First Corinthians, a book that the Apostle Paul wrote. And today we're going to look at the first half of chapter 10. In chapter 10, Paul continues his warning uh, from the last verse of chapter 9 about not being disqualified from running the race. Paul talks about we're in a race and we're running that race to win. And don't be disqualified from running the race. Meaning don't lose the rewards to what God has called you to do. Finish the race. Throughout today's message, we will be reviewing what happened to the people of Israel in Moses' day. Paul is using an Old Testament illustration for the believers in Corinth. So he's going back and he's sharing with the uh, people in Corinth as he's writing this letter. And he's reminding them of what had happened in Moses' day back in the Old Testament. And he's using it as an illustration for us today. Today, let's begin by reading the first five verses of chapter 10. And these are Paul's words in 1 Corinthians. He writes, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them. And all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Let's begin with with prayer today. Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, I thank you for um, the writings that you inspired uh, to, the, to the Apostle Paul to write, even on our behalf. I pray, God, as we read your word and as it sinks deep into our heart and into our mind, Lord God, that it will uh, have impact on each and every one of us, that it will be life-changing as we continue to desire, Lord God, that we would grow uh, more and more to be like you. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. In verses 1 through 4, and I encourage you today, just go ahead and leave your Bibles open in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, because we're going to be referencing it uh, throughout the message today. But in verses 1 through 4, Paul speaks of the blessings that the Israelites experienced because of the presence of God, because of the power of God. It was the power of God that miraculously set them free from their bondage while they were in Egypt. If you remember, the Israelites were in bondage, were slaves in Egypt. God sent the ten plagues. Let me watch the uh, uh, Joseph. Uh, uh, the Prince of Egypt. Anybody watch the Prince of Egypt? So that, I know it's getting a little older, but you remember those ten plagues that were sent? Or maybe you read your Bibles so that you could actually know it in the Bible. That's a thought. But remember, God sent the ten plagues, and he, he encouraged Pharaoh uh, by a way of encouraging Pharaoh to say, you know what, release my people. They've been in bondage long enough. They've been in slavery long enough. I want you to release them. And, and God sent these ten plagues to release the Israelites from bondage. But Pharaoh released the Israelites in bondage. The Israelites went down. They ran into the Red Sea. And then all of a sudden, Pharaoh had a change of mind. It really says in the Bible that the Lord changed his heart. And I think there's a purpose behind that because God wanted to see, God wanted to show the 
Israelites the miraculous power that he had. They're backed up to the Red Sea. The Egyptian soldiers are coming towards them. And then all of a sudden, miraculously, guess what? God opened up the Red Seas. The Israelites were trapped with no way out. But God miraculously opened up the sea so that they could escape their enemies. Paul writes in verse 2 an interesting statement where he says they were baptized as followers of Moses. I believe Paul was stating the Israelites had no hope. Their backs were against the Red Sea and they had no way to escape. It was only because of God's power working through Moses that they were saved. In this passage of scripture you'll see that really Moses is kind of set up as a redeemer that God had sent to deliver the people of the Israelites out of Egypt. God used Moses to rescue the Israelites. It symbolizes for us that it's only through our faith in Jesus that we can escape the punishment for our sins. Just like Moses made a way, it was actually God's power through Moses made a way through the Red Sea, it is Jesus Christ that makes a way for us to escape the bondage of sin so that we can find salvation and forgiveness of sins. Amen? Amen. God appointed his son Jesus to become our savior. Paul writes that God's presence, and this is something I want you to catch because it's really important that you grab a hold of this thought. While they were out in the wilderness, Paul writes that God's presence remained with them the entire time. They were guided by a pillar of cloud during the day, and they were guided by a pillar of fire at night. They also received the same spiritual food, manna from heaven. This was the food that God faithfully, on each and every day, provided for every one of them. According to Jesus, manna symbolizes Jesus, who is the true bread from heaven, who gives life to the world. In verse, Paul, in verse 4, Paul states, they all drank the same spiritual water. Remember, God miraculously provided water to the Israelites from a rock. Paul states what? That Christ himself is that rock. In John 4, Jesus shared to the woman who was in, at the well that he is the living water that shall never run dry. Jesus is the rock of our salvation. The point that Paul is making is that God's presence, and I want you to catch this because it's really important for each and every one of us here today, if we want to continue to grow into the knowledge and the understanding of who Christ is in our life, the point Paul is making is that God's presence never left the Israelites while they were in the desert. In fact, it states, and Moses kind of states where he says, I never want to take a step forward without your presence, God. God's presence remained there there out in the wilderness. And yet, in verse 5, it states, God was not pleased with most of them. Reconcile that for a moment. God's presence is there, but Paul says God was not pleased with most of them. This is the first thought that I want to present to you today. Don't be deceived. Don't be fooled. Why was God not pleased with the Israelites? Because the Israelites took God's provision for granted. They were ungrateful and disobedient to God's commands. They worshipped false gods instead of worshipping the one true God. His presence was in their midst and they turned away from him. His presence was there and they turned away from God. Paul wanted the believers in Corinth to learn from the mistakes of the past. As we don't have to make the same mistakes that others have made. Do you know that? 
We can learn a lot from other people's mistakes. We can learn a lot from other people's successes. Don't take God's grace for granted. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. We need to live with awareness. If you want to write something down, write this thought down. Don't make, don't mistake experiencing God's blessings as God's approval of your life choices. Don't mistake experiencing God's blessings as God's approval of your life choices. It's the same that is true. Don't mistake if you're going through troubles and tribulations that somehow that you're outside of the will of God. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. The Israelites were experiencing God's blessings. They were being provided from manna. There was a miracle of the parting of the Red Sea. They were brought through the wilderness. It, it says in Scripture, their clothes and their shoes, they never wore out for 40 years. They remained. Man, I wish I could buy clothes like that. And I'm assuming they don't ever get stains either. That's my biggest thing. You know, I get a brand new shirt. I'm at home, and all of a sudden I start eating. And, all of a sudden, and it's like, oh, this white shirt, you won't see it again because I know I'm going to stain it today, okay, just so you know. True story. The Israelites were experiencing God's blessing, yet God was not pleased with them. Look at what Paul writes in verse 6. These things happened as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did. As you read the next couple of scriptures following, Paul shares with us that the Israelites were not honoring God and what they did. They were living their lives not caring what God thought about their actions. In fact, some weren't even worshiping God. They were worshiping the false gods that they created with their own hands. We don't know who was spared spiritually and, we, and who was not spared spiritually, but we do know this, that almost all of them were punished. In verse 5, it states, their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. That's what Paul writes. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness, meaning almost all of them who originally were rescued from the bondage of Egypt on their journey, that first generation that left out of Egypt and they were going into the promised land, almost that entire first generation died out in the wilderness. Only Joshua and Caleb were from the first generation that made it into the promised land. And this introduces a second thought that I want to share with you today. Learn from others. I'm amazed at how many people will choose to ignore history. They snub their noses to the past, like the past is antiquated and obsolete, and there's no way that we can learn anything from, from, the, from past cultures. We live in a society today where many see history as pointless. There's nothing that we can learn from the past. Many people think today's society is so intelligent that we don't need to look at the past. This thinking, I'm just telling you right now, is foolish thoughts. Do you know that the IQ scores in America have been dropping since the 1970s? True story. As each decade passes, we are losing three IQ points. From 1975 to 2020, the drop was a whopping 13.5 points IQ. Some of you probably have seen the same things I've seen, and maybe you've been flipping through social media, and all of a sudden you see this guy that walks up to different people, and he starts to ask them some basic questions to see if they can answer those questions. And I'm always amazed what they can't answer. Let me just give you a couple, just for fun, okay? Can we have a little fun today? 
If you can't answer them, just don't. Some, the Bible says just be silent and you look like you're really, really smart. So if you can't answer, just be silent. In what country is the Panama Canal located? They don't, Mexico, Canada. Panama is a country. How many terms did Benjamin Franklin serve as president? I think it was one term. Maybe it was two. Benjamin Franklin was not a president, if you did not know that. This is one of my favorite. This is one of my, one of my favorite. Who's on the $20 bill? Samuel Jackson. It's Andrew Jackson, if you didn't know that. Samuel Jackson's an actor. <laughs> Some of you guys are... <laughs> Who's on the 50-cent piece, the 50-cent coin? A lot of people, there's no such thing as a 50-cent coin. They've never seen a 50-cent piece. One, one, I think two people said, 50-cent, talking about the rapper. He's on the coin. <laughs> it doesn't give me a lot of hope. But my hope is in Jesus Christ, amen. So I read an article from Stanford University stating the, the cause for these IQ scores that were declining was the flooding tide of toxic chemistry. It's the man-made chemicals that permeate our air, food, and water that is causing us to be less intelligent. Wow, who came up with that thought? Don't get me wrong, I would love to reduce all the toxic chemicals that we have in our society. I don't think we need all those toxic chemicals. But the idea that that's causing people to be stupid is crazy. It's just, it's not right. Sorry for the word stupid, but we're all stupid in some ways, okay. I would argue that it started when we made the move towards becoming a secular nation instead of a nation based on godly principles. That's my argument. We began to change the DNA of our society. We stopped teaching godly values and we started teaching secular ideology. I read an article that stated 31 states in America don't require schools to teach about the Holocaust. That's horrible. We need to learn from our past. I read another article that said that is pushing to eliminate the teaching about the atrocities of slavery and the history of the Civil War in our schools. That would be a terrible decision. It's part of our ugly history, and it needs to be taught. We learn from our past. We can't always right the wrongs of the past, but we should learn from them. And this is what Paul is bringing forth in this scripture. He says, learn from your ancestors long ago that who were traveling with Moses as they did not honor God. God punished them because they were not honoring them. And his presence was with them, but they turned their face away from God. Learn from the past. Learn from history. Why would we not want to learn from the mistakes or the success of others? We don't need to repeat the sins of the past. Let's learn and move forward. Another thought that the Apostle Paul shares in this passage of Scripture comes from verse 9. He states, nor should we put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and then died from snake bites. Interesting passage of Scripture. If you read this, full of history. Once again, Paul's referring to an Old Testament account in the book of Numbers, chapter 21. Where the people got discouraged and they started complaining about Moses bringing them out into the wilderness. Why did you bring this out into the wilderness where we we're going to die? It was far better in Egypt. There was, far, there was far more food. Why did you bring us out here? And they started complaining about God's provision for them. They started complaining about the food that God provided, the manna that was there every single morning. We're sick and tired of this manna. 
they called the manna that God provided miserable food. God sent venomous snakes, and they were bitten by these snakes, and many of them died. It was God's judgment for the people's sins. The people then came to Moses and cried out for mercy and confessed their sins to Moses. And Moses prayed over the people. And to summarize, God showed mercy upon those who had the faith to obey God. But Paul is reminding the believers in Corinth, and I want you to catch a hold of this because I think so many times in our society today, especially in the Christian culture, we're missing this truth and we need to grab a hold of this truth. There are consequences for sin. There are consequences for sin. For some reason, we have this, we live in this culture right now that, oh, we can just do it. God's going to forgive me. There's consequences for sin. See, that was the Corinthian culture. They just they believed they could do whatever they wanted to do, and there was no, going to be no consequences. Don't test God's patience. God was leading the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt, and yet they questioned God's leader, Moses, and they questioned what God was providing. They were ungrateful complainers, and God's patience towards their sin came to an end. Let's learn to be grateful for the blessings that God has given us. I'd love to hear a louder amen on that. Let's learn to be grateful for the blessings that God has given us. I'll never forget years ago, probably eight or nine years ago now, Pastor Johnny and myself went to Haiti on a missions trip with Convoy of Hope. And we saw their warehouse, we saw the many things that they had, but one of the things that always was just forever burned into my memory was going to an orphanage where I saw, you know, a couple hundred kids in this orphanage. And all of a sudden it becomes lunchtime and there's a woman back there that's literally with an open fire with a pot of beans and a pot of rice. She's making those beans and rice they're serving them on plates. The kids come running in with smiles on their face. They're so happy. They're so filled with joy. Every single day, they're fe- they, they are fed beans and rice every single day. And every single day, they're so joyful for the opportunity to eat those beans and rice. They were grateful. The Apostle Paul says, give thanks in what? Some circumstances? A few circumstances? Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. There is a truth there that we need to learn and understand in God's word that when we give thanks in all circumstances, it removes something from our mind, this negativity, this, this entitlement spirit. We don't need that. Give thanks in all circumstances. In verse 10, Paul tells the believers in Corinth, another account found in Numbers chapter 16, Paul writes, and don't grumble as some of them did. And then were destroyed by the angel of death. Look at verse, verse 11. These things happened to them as examples for who? For us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. In Numbers chapter 16, the Israelites had gathered opposition against Moses and Aaron, God's appointed leadership, and God's judgment came upon them. And it says in Scripture that 14,700 people died from a plague. Aaron literally ran into the crowd with incense as a sign of atonement and repentance on behalf of the people. Scripture states that that Aaron stood between the living and the dead, and the plague stopped. Paul warns the people in Corinth to be grateful for God's plan for your life, to be grateful for what God is doing, to be grateful that God sent Paul to preach the gospel. Don't be ungrateful for God's provision. 
And it's just a reminder that God does allow discipline to happen in our lives. We don't want to talk about that. We don't want to discuss that. None of us. How many enjoyed being spanked when you were a little boy? Oh, I can't say that. No one. Yeah, that's not legal. Well, I got spanked, okay? Just letting you know right now. So if you didn't, bummer. I did. My kids did too, by the way. But you know what? We, I, honestly, I did it in love, and it was, it was seldom. Well, maybe for Brittany, it was a little bit more. But it was seldom for no, I'm just teasing. Just teasing. Brittany, if you're watching me, I love. She's at Royal Family Kids Camp this week, uh, giving her talents and serving kids that have, that, that have had difficulties. And so I'm really proud of her today. It's a shout out, Brittany. You made it. Thank you. Trying my best, Brett. <laughs> Paul states in verse 11 that we have examples from history. They were written down so we might learn from other people's mistakes. It reminds me of the Bible. Some people think the Bible is not relevant. It is so relevant to our lives. So, so relevant. We need to learn to be grateful for what God is doing in and through our lives. Be grateful for God's provision. Be grateful for your family. Be grateful for your spouse. Be grateful for your job. Be grateful for your church. Be grateful. God has blessed us with abundance, and we should continually be grateful for, what his, for his blessings. Many times we miss, and catch this thought, many times we miss the abundance, the blessings of our life, because we are so focused on what we don't have. We're so focused on what we don't have, we miss what we already have. An entitlement spirit will lead us to negativity, it will lead us to complaining. Paul warns the Corinthian Christians. He's warned them, be careful. Don't test God's patience. Be careful. By the way, if you want to break the spirit of entitlement off of your life, start giving thanks in all circumstances. If you want to break that entitlement spirit that, you, that we all can gain, it's easy in Orange County to have an entitlement spirit. If you want to break it off your life, Start giving thanks for everything in your life. In verses 12 through 13, Paul writes these words. He says, if you think you are standing strong, I love these words. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. <laughs> the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than what you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. This is the last thought I want to share with you today. Don't let pride be your downfall. In verse 12, Paul reminds us to not allow pride to be our guide. Some of the believers in Corinth interpreted God's grace to mean there are no consequences to sin. But that's not true. They were living like, man, because we have God's grace, we don't have to worry about the whole sin thing. Man, it's okay. And we have people in our culture today that are living the same way. But there are significant consequences to sin. I will say it again. There are consequences to sin. Let me say it again. There are consequences to sin. We must never forget that there is a price to pay for sin. Jesus paid the ultimate price by giving his life on the cross for your sins and for my sins. He was, he was crucified. His hands were nailed. His feet were nailed. He had a crown of thorns put on his head. He had a spear going to his side because of our sins. Don't ever forget that. There's a consequence for sins. 
Pastor Tom, you're preaching so hard. You know what? God's word is hard sometimes. Okay. We'll bring in some softer side right here. Yes, we can find forgiveness for our sins. Because of this wonderful thing called grace. We find forgiveness because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's wonderful. But it doesn't mean that we can sin without fear of punishment here on earth. A serial killer can find forgiveness through grace, but will still still suffer the consequences of his or her actions. You can find forgiveness for lying at your job, but still suffer the consequences of being fired. There's consequences to sin. The Bible states, do you know that this is in the Bible? That your sins will find you out. It's better to confess your sins, bring them out into the light so that the enemy can no longer use them against you. Paul's reminding the believers, don't be arrogant. Don't think because of God's grace you can continue in sin. God's grace was given to bring us out of sin. Not to put us into sin. God's grace was given to each and every one of us to bring us, literally to bring us out of sin. It no longer has bondage over you because I'm going to forgive you. Now come out of sin and start walking with me. It was never meant to take us into sin. But that's what the people of Corinth were doing. And I see that in our, I'm sorry, I see that in our church sometimes today. Where people, man, they're saying, man, God's grace is so wonderful. And, and they're just continuing choosing to live. There's consequences to sin. i got to tell you that as a pastor. I would not be a good pastor if I'm not sharing those, that truth. In verse 13, Paul reminds us there is no new temptations. Don't think your temptation is unique to you. <laughs> Temptation is just part of life. While Jesus was on this earth, he was tempted, it says, in every way that we were, and yet without sin. He refused to act upon the temptation. You might be sitting here today thinking, Pastor Tom, it's impossible for me to resist certain temptations. It's just impossible. I've tried, Pastor Tom. I just can't resist certain temptations. That might be your thought today. They're just too powerful. And the Apostle Paul's response to your thinking is this. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And this, I'm, we're wrapping up here, but this is a teaching I need you to grab a hold of. If you're struggling with sin, I need you to grab a hold of this truth. The Apostle Paul is talking to our thoughts. I just can't resist the temptation because you're trying to do it in your human effort instead of God's. Apostle Paul's response, God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations to be more than you can stand. I want to challenge our thinking today. Maybe you've allowed fear to become too powerful in your life. You're so fearful of temptation that you bow to it. We don't need to bow to temptation, to temptation. We stand in faith against it. Knowing that God has given you the strength to overcome. See, you need to have faith in the power of the Holy Spirit in your life that God has given you the strength to overcome whatever things that the enemy might try to put your way. That you don't have to be fearful that I'm going to fall into sin. But you know what? I have greater faith in God's ability to rescue me out of sin. 
I think about Paul's reference to the Israelites walking through the Red Sea. When the Israelites saw the Egyptian soldiers coming towards them, and all of a sudden, it says in Scripture, they were stricken with fear. They were absolutely horrified, terrified with fear, trembling with fear. God put a wall of fire so the Egyptian soldiers couldn't get there. And if Moses wouldn't have been there, they would have all been destroyed. God knew this. It's why God sent Moses to lead them. And I want you to listen to the words Moses told the children of Israel when they were facing the Egyptian soldiers at the Red Sea. He says these words, and I say these words to you today. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. God miraculously parted the Red Sea, and he provided the escape for the Israelites. Many times the problems we have with facing temptations that we don't have enough faith to believe, God has provided a way out. We just choose sin. Instead of ever considering God has given me a way out, I choose God. There is no temptation. God has not given any temptation that is going to overtake us if we have faith in him. We face sin with fear instead of facing sin with faith. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he faced sin with his faith in the word of God. He faced sin, he faced sin with understanding God's power, that God's power was greater than the enemy. In verses 14 through 22, Paul once again encourages the Corinthian believers to flee from the worship of idols, even from eating the meat that had been offered to the idols. Paul recognizes that the idols are fake. They're just man-made. There's nothing real about them. But Paul also recognizes this truth. He recognizes that the devil is using these false idols to distract people from following Jesus. He recognizes they put these false idols in a place where all of a sudden they're worshiping that instead of worshiping God. Therefore, the participation of eating meat offered to idols is condoning the evil power that is behind the idols. Paul uses the example of communion. When we participate in communion, we are signifying that we're part of the body of Christ. Then how as we believers, should we ever deliberately participate in something that is not of God? If we're part of the body of Christ... Why would we take the body of Christ and participate in something that is not right, that is sinful? Paul says, no, you can't. Don't do that. Don't do that. Paul is challenging the Corinthian believers to resist the temptation of sin and strive to live righteously before God. We do this not in our own strength. We do this in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a great challenge for us. And I'm going to share something. I just feel like I've got to stay here for just a moment. I've got a little bit of time. The party doesn't start till noon, so we got lots of time. Some of us, I'm including myself in this, because we all struggle with sin. But when we choose to struggle in sin, it's because we're remaining in our flesh. Maybe try to step outside the flesh. Step into the spirit man, step into the spirit woman. The Lord is more than capable. He is more than able. He is more than able to deliver me from my situation right now. He is more than able to deliver me from the temptation that I'm facing right now. God is able. See, what happens, we got to change our mindset. We stay in the mindset of the flesh. 
Man, what would happen if we started seeing temptation? We just start saying, Jesus, in Jesus' name, I rebuke that. I'm going to step away from that. As Joseph did when he fled out of Potiphar's house, he fled out of his house. That's not of mine. That's not of me. I don't want any part of that. And all of a sudden, we start stepping into the power of God. We start stepping into the Spirit of God. Say, God, you have brought me here. Lord God, I know that you're powerful, that you're more than able. Show me the way. And we all of a sudden, instead of, instead of bowing down to sin, we start bowing bowing down to God. Instead of surrendering to sin, we start surrendering to God. But we have to change our mindset. Watch what you put in your eye gate. Watch what you listen to. Watch what you do. Watch where where you hang out at. If you can't handle it, get out of there. Don't stay there. I close with these instructions from the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12. I thought this was such a powerful verse for us to close with today. He writes in verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's the word for today. My challenge for each and every one of us, the way we allow God's word to change our heart and into our life is by stepping out of this pride thing that we have. I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. And we step into a humility. I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. I need your help, Lord. I need your help, Lord. I need your help. God will provide a way out. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word is powerful, it's effective, and it changes lives. We thank you for the opportunity to come in together as the body of Christ, as a group of believers where we're strengthened by one another, but most of all, Lord, we're strengthened by the power of your spirit. We know that your spirit's here today, God. It's with us. I pray, God, that this week that you'll lead us and that you'll guide us and that you'll direct us, that you'll help us through tough times. Lord God, I pray that we'll see the blessings that are all around us, that we won't focus on the things that we don't have. We won't focus on the things, Lord God, that might stray us away from what you desire for our lives but God we will focus on you give us that strength this week God let us have such a powerful strength in our own lives that Lord God we become a light to others that the power of your Holy Spirit is so vibrant in our lives that Lord God our lives Lord God are like a shining light to those around us so that we can impact the lives of others God I pray that over each and every one of us. Lord God, let us be pillars, Lord God, of faith. Knowing, Lord God, that you are walking with us each and every step of the way. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. 
Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.